Welcome to Seven Heads, Ten Horns with Klaus Yoder and Travis Stevens. All right, well, welcome back to a special seasonal edition of Seven Heads, Ten Horns. I'm Klaus Yoder, and today I am honored to have the pod's first guest on. Uh, we had a guest pod by Stefano last year, but this is our first time having like an interview and, and a conversation. So I'm really pleased to introduce Louis Romer, my colleague at Vassar College, the ethnographer extraordinaire of the Caribbean. Louis, how are you doing? Hi, everyone. I'm doing well. Um, it's, uh, it's Thursday, even though it feels like it's Sunday. I don't know. It's just been a very interesting uh, time loop. I've been working on papers and doing academic things. Yeah, yeah, that really does a number on one's uh, sense of time and how it's experienced, for sure. So, mm-hmm. yeah, today I had you on because we've talked about the demonic. You're a friend of the pod. You know the pod. And we, I think we talked about some different uh, companions of Santa Claus last year. I, I don't know if you ever follow this, one of these accounts on, on Instagram or something. It's like called Christian Nightmares. And they have a lot of really funny, really right-wing Christian content. You see a lot of these signs like Santa equals Satan and stuff like that. <laughs> and so the wheels started getting turning and I'm like, okay, maybe a Santa Satan episode for the holidays, like to be seasonal. And I remember that we had talked about the the companions of St. Nicholas and in, in your experiences, right. um, having right. a background with the Netherlands and having a background with the Dutch Caribbean. And so, yeah, I wanted to sort of ask about your your experience with Santa Claus as a young person. And maybe say like a little bit about how you came to have you know, this sort of this Dutch experience. Okay. So just to give people a, a, a short uh, kind of spark notes idea of where I'm from and how do I get to experience the Dutch uh, Santa Claus, quote unquote, tradition uh, in Dutch known as Sinterklaas. Well, uh, my family is from Curaçao and Bonaire, and I was born in Curaçao. And uh, Curaçao used to be a colonial possession of the Netherlands. Now its status has been upgraded to overseas territory of the Netherlands. We are still part of the Netherlands politically. Um, Although people in Curaçao don't really speak Dutch on a day-to-day basis, we speak a different language, um, papiamento. So, it's it's a, a there is a linguistic barrier, even though there is this kind of idea that supposedly we're part of the Netherlands, but in in actuality, things are are, are quite different. Um, so, in the Caribbean, as opposed to the European Netherlands. Okay, so. Um, what that means in terms of the center class tradition is that um, when I was a child in Curaçao, we knew center class and we knew the Dutch version of the center class's companion. So instead of Santa having elves at a at a workshop making all the gifts, <laughs> and you know even that, it's just like 
And you'll see why that makes me raise some eyebrows as we yeah. talk about the Dutch version, right? Yeah. So these elves are like working at the North Pole, getting, getting, I don't know, making gifts. Like, I wonder, what are the working conditions in Santa's workshop? Like, are they getting yeah. paid? <laughs> yeah. Do they, have, do they have union reps? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, 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 would, I would hope, right, that the elves unionized and everything. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe, who knows, maybe the North Pole is the only workers' commune <laughs> that we have on Earth. Right, right. Anyway, right. so the Dutch version of uh, Santa Claus has not a an elf, but a supposed Zwarte Piet. The Dutch word is Zwarte Piet, which just means Black Piet. And Piet is Santa's helper. In yeah. Dutch, literally, Knecht. Knecht yeah. um, could mean servant, but also could mean slave, right? Yeah, and that's so the same in, in Germany, too. In Germany, too, you yeah, have Knecht kind Ruprecht, of you know. Yeah, Knecht yeah. Ruprecht is, yeah. is the, another iteration of this, like, Santa's helper, right? Yeah. Now, the Dutch version really drives the slavery connotations home because what you see is basically somebody wearing a page costume that we know of, like, uh, Golden Age, so we're talking about 1600s uh, Dutch painting, right? And often these pages in Dutch... Um, golden age, like Renaissance, early modern era paintings were depicted as black people, mm -hmm. right? So wealthy Dutch families who all, of course, made their money through some kind of colonial ventures, either in the West Indies, where I'm from, or in the East Indies, which was what is now Indonesia, the Dutch East Indies back in the day. Um, you know, they make these paintings and they flaunt their wealth and one of the, the, the symbols that they used to, to, to flaunt their wealth with was this kind of black, black Moor character, right? And so even though uh, we don't quite know exactly how Zwarte Piet comes about, we do have that costume, right, coming from that tradition of Dutch painting, early modern Dutch painting, which shows these black face these black people wearing costumes being servants to the wealthy dutch so in the somewhere somehow in along uh, around the 19th century we start seeing um depictions of sinterklaas santa claus with this servant dressed in this kind of 16th century 60 17th sorry century garments that were typical ways of representing a servant or actually a slave, right? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. that's basically, in a nutshell, what Zwarte Piet is. And here's the thing. When I was a child growing up in Curacao, this is, I think, why I mentioned the language barrier thing and the cultural differences thing earlier. None of this was really known to me, right? I had no idea... Um, because you see Santa Claus, and Santa Claus has this helper, Knecht, Zwarte Piet. You know, some of my cousins dressed up as Zwarte Piet, so you can imagine. This is my qu This is one of the questions I had. So, like, it's observed in Curacao. That was a, that was a question I had because yeah, obviously yeah, it's yeah, only yeah, 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 yeah. So, but but uh, but it's clearly an influence from the colonial period uh, that it was imported, but 
some things were not imported is what I'm trying to say. Some things were, were, were missing, lost in translation. Um, and one of those things is that the Zwarte Piet had anything to do with black people at all, right? When I was a child, I saw Zwarte Piet as some kind of weird black variation of a clown. Okay, so for those who's never seen a Zwarte Piet, the way you dress, uh, dress up as a Zwarte Piet is you put on the page costume, which is often colorful guard with like one of those like medium length kind of calf length hands that are kind of puffy right and you have like these puffy sleeves mm -hmm. and like a uh, it's very think early modern right mm -hmm. um costume uh, a cap with a feather in it and then black face an afro wig yeah right and very accented red lips so for american uh, our listeners, that you could recognize this kind of imagery from, say, uh, 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 minstrelsy yeah. and blackface, etc. For British people, they might be familiar with the gollywog, right? This this particular type of or piccaninny dolls, right? Mm -hmm. So basically, you dress up like that. So as a child, I, I I saw these as kind of just like weird clowns, right? That 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 had nothing to do with my family or black people I know in real yeah. life, right. right? It's just some kind of weird methodological creature. And here's the thing. We were taught, nevertheless, to be afraid of Swartapit, right? Swartapit is a bogeyman. Yeah. If you are a bad child, you don't get a lump of coal. But Swartapit puts you in his bag and takes you away and you turn into a Swartapit yourself. So that's ah. like the punishment. That's interesting. Yeah, that kid. that's interesting. Yeah, the, the Zwarte Piet captures you, steals you away from your parents, and turns you into Zwarte Piet. Now as an adult, like the kind of echoes of slavery here are very obvious. It's like the worst thing that could happen to you is you turn yeah. out to be a slave, right? Uh, right? And then you'll be in blackface. Oh, the horror, right? right. The, but as, as a child, it was just like some weird mythological figure. Like I couldn't imagine that anyone could equate that horrendous kind of monstrous figure with actual real black people right okay so then i moved to the netherlands when i was a child like maybe six years old or so um and in the european netherlands i suddenly was confronted with the fact that the other kids would look at me by the way i'm not too dark skin i'm pretty um light skin for a person of African descent. I do have very distinctive features that, that, that show that I'm of African descent, curly hair, etc. But, um, you know, I'm not particularly dark skinned. Um, but nevertheless, these Dutch kids, and I say this only because it, it really shows the way that Swarte Piet is part of socializing people into a particular really racialized way of seeing others. Right, so not me, nor my mother, nor anyone I know, <laughs> even darker skinned people. No one that I know in real life looks like Swarte Piet. Yeah, no one looks like this, right? Yeah, that's that's like the that's no like one the, looks yeah, like this. No one looks like this. Right? Let's just let's just let's just establish that as a as a as a as a, and, as, a, a as a baseline fact. And yet these kids were like looking at me and say, 
you look like Suarte Pete. And they were right. asking me whether my skin could wash off because right. they kind of associated already at a young age, right? Um, and of course, this was in the context of bullying and harassment and so on. So yeah. the questions would often start like in or late November, does your skin wash off? You know, do you take showers? Wow. Right? Because this idea of swapping the hygiene, dirt, the, hi the hygiene, stuff. dirt yeah, and right. evil and yeah. corruption, yeah. it all kind of got sedimented there. And, and for me, that was actually my first experience with like straight up racism was right. understanding that these people see you, but they don't see you as you right. see yourself. Right. They see you as the monster, as an example of that monster. And that was for me kind of like this, what the hell moment of, yeah. oh my God, that's how they see us, right? Right. Um, right. W.E.B. E. Du Bois has this uh, famous concept, double consciousness, right? Which is right. how he uses to, what he uses to describe the experiences of black people living in a, in a, in a, in a racist society where you have to, somehow learn to see yourself as as yourself right as you see yourself but also learn that there are people out there that see you as as something monstrous and hideous that you're not exactly and exactly I don't, yeah there's other there's other examples of this in 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 africana philosophy so for example zora neale hurston calls this as the feeling of being colored me as opposed to of the feeling of being me, right? You're right. Um, You're right. Yeah, so that was like a, that. so that's really what is at the crux of like now um, debates that are happening in the Netherlands and protests around Swarte Piet because a lot of Dutch people of African descent are saying, what the, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to keep right. with the theme of the pot, what the yeah. hell? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Since right. Christmas time, which is supposed to be all at, like the holidays, etc. By the way, Santa Claus is not really Christmas; it's before Christmas. It's just right. uh, December fifth, but it's right. all kind of like wrapped uh, wrapped into a more general holiday season. The holidays are living hell for us. What the hell, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, but but then there's a lot of pushback of saying, "Well, you know, I didn't think it was racist." or it doesn't mean that to me. And, you know, there's a kind of like Humpty Dumpty theory of meaning that often gets used <laughs> around Svarte It's like, well, when I do blackface, it means what I want it to mean. Right. No more, no less. And it's like, no, people like. But that's that's, not this, how and you were saying this work. <laughs> this is also like the double consciousness thing, because you were saying how you were bullied with like this like this these horrible taunts about like does your does your skin color wash off and so clearly on the one hand children understand children in the netherlands understand that this even though no one actually looks like Tuato Pete, like that it's supposed to be in connection to black people and yeah. then yeah. as they're adults they're like oh they, you know they 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 sort of played play innocent oh, I never you know? <laughs> seen, yeah oh i never knew it was i'm like no i'm sorry my experience has shown that everyone that I know has that connotation in their head, at least in the Netherlands. Also in Curacao, I mean, I was maybe in a particular bubble when I was a child, and I had like my my loss of innocence experience in the Netherlands. But 
I yeah. have spoken to people who are in Curacao who have experienced the same thing, kind of a bullying around Suartepit, and that probably has to do with the fact that, you know, in Curacao, as I mentioned, I'm pretty light-skinned. Therefore, in Curacao, the way that people see race and categorize race is somewhat different. Of course, yeah. And they would... That it's probably darker skinned people in Curacao that would experience the brunt of that kind of treatment. And I wouldn't have in Curacao, right? It, it, the, the color line, like the line between what is black and what is non-black gets drawn differently in, a, in different places. Right. So that's part of why I had that experience in the Netherlands and not in Curacao. But I know there are people who've said to me, look, it's what Sinterklaas time, is a living hell for our kids. I wanna, right? and, uh, and I saw this too, um, just reading in in like German Vice uh, and in and, and Die Zeit, like how people talked, and especially in, in Austria, talking about a different, uh, like a sort of a Svarta Piet analog, um, Krampus, mm-hmm. who's, who's, who's experienced Krampus, a, a revival, yeah. a revival in popularity because the New York Times ran a piece in 2014 being like, oh, isn't this cute? <laughs> Basically, um, <laughs> look at these quaint Germans with their traditions. Um, and anyway, mm-hmm. so, but the people in writing, the Germans and themselves. And they say, yeah. yeah. The Germans themselves, the Austrians themselves are like, oh, this was a living hell. Like, because these people dressed up as demons burst into your house and like throw you in the back of a tractor, and it's it's a t- like you were saying, it's a time of bullying. It's a time of right. of gangs of youths like dressing up in these demon costumes and beating the hell out of people. And it right, it's, it's not a, <laughs> I mean, like you could see where that would be appealing to uh, to young people on some level, but for people who are getting bullied that way, it's horrible, right? Um, so yeah, right, right, just, right. But this just ties so in this idea the, of, like the, innocence, like this, like something you you talked yeah, about yeah. too. Like oh, it's just this. It's often dripped in nostalgia, but it's yeah. from the from the adults, right? Right. Right. Uh, One thing I was oh, reading was you know, like how uh, nice it was. Like 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 oh, children don't see racism. Therefore, this tradition isn't racist, <laughs> right? Like and and <laughs> this investment and this. But children, children wouldn't miss Swartapit if it were gone. Like like let's be real. Like the children themselves, they wouldn't miss it. They they would maybe miss the gifts. Right. <laughs> but but Swartapit just really adults steals you. <laughs> are mounting the show. Yeah, I know, right? Swartapit. If you actually put yourself in the kid's position, I thought Swartapit was terrifying. Well, this this ties into the this ties into the show, right? Because, like. In the U.S., we have the Coca-Cola Santa Claus, and he is just mm-hmm. the you know the dispenser of of uh, mass-produced uh, trinkets for children that help uh, mm-hmm. you know power the factories of the world or whatever. But we don't have as like you, we have the, the the slave labor force of the elves, as you as you mentioned before. There's less mm-hmm. there's less of the sort of carrot stick uh, thing going on. You have Elf on the Shelf. Mm-hmm. Uh, a neighbor asked me, "Where did you?" Yeah, and a young neighbor is like, "Did you put your elf on the shelf?" I'm like, "We don't, we don't do the surveillance carceral Christmas in, in my household." But, um, <laughs> no panopticon <laughs> in our house. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, to get back to the themes of the, of the podcast, like this is this idea of like, oh, like the people who rule the universe. Like we have 
we have our right hand, which is the angels, in this case, like analog to Santa Claus. And on the left hand, we have the demons, in this case, analog to Sparta, Peter, Krampus. And right. they both keep, they keep the system going. And there's a, there's a room for the demons and there's room for angels and they sort things out. And I wonder, does that, does that sort of match up with what you understood Sparta Pete to be as like sort of like this quasi-demonic but kind of moralizing yeah, thing? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. He was basically kind of demonic. He kind of spoke in tongues. So when people oh, wow. kind of perform Sparta Pete, they perform him as like speaking kind of just glossal, like a... Uh, um, glossolalia like blah 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 yeah. blah, blah, blah right? right but then sometimes in the netherlands i've i've read reports and i've seen people put on a fake caribbean dutch accent so oh, to wow. kind of underline that this is supposed to be a caricature of the black person they put on like a a, a, a fake surinamese or a fake um antillian accent right right which right. It's very interesting considering how like language and race tie together. Um, Precisely. But, uh, yeah. But yeah, often it's this kind of demonic figure, somewhat like un inscrutable, right? Hard to figure out what he's gonna do. Um, is he gonna beat you with? He walks around with like a a a, a, a thing called a rue, which is basically a yeah. bundle of sticks, yeah. and like he beats the bad kids. And so Swartapit is kind of a slave, but he's kind of like the, you know, like the overseer slave that goes around. Yeah, like a slave slave driver, right? Yeah, or an overseer. Yes, yes, because often the slave drivers were themselves slaves, right? Right, right. It it was a slave whipping the other slaves into, like, proper behavior according to the system. So, yeah, he's whipping, going around whipping kids, or you don't know if you're going to get candy from him. Or, or catch a beating, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Or catch a beating, or yeah. be thrown in his sack. Yeah. One time, my cousins, because they knew I hated Zwartepit and I was terrified of it, they dressed up as Zwartepit to come in my house as a prank. Oh this, my god! So this, this there seems... are still scratches. There are still nail scratches oh, in god. the door, as I was like grabbing the door, not as they were pulling me out of it. <laughs> this and this is a question. This is a distinction between Sparta Pete and Krampus, because with Krampus, at least as it's currently practiced, there are multiple Krampi, if you will, uh, who are running around. And it seems like Sparta Pete. Correct me if I'm wrong. My impression has been Sparta Pete is in the singular in these these visitations. Obviously, there's more than one person well, dressing up as Sparta Pete. To be yeah, clear, there's, there's <laughs> many Sparta Peten. Yeah. Um, and and they they show up usually together. Oh, okay. Group with the center class. Yeah. I see. So, so often that's, yeah, there's that's... like a gaggle of Swartapites. Oh, so it's like it's like which Krampus kind of then, under. Yeah. yeah, there's a gaggle of Swartapites. Great, That great. shows up with center, and and they kind of. So yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I I'm kind of going out on a limb here, speculate speculating a little bit, but my guess is that somewhere in the 19th century. Basically, you had these older Germanic traditions that got fused with, like, American minstrelsy and some, like, revisitation of Dutch Golden Age racial iconography. It just kind of got mixed up. Yeah. So the first person to ever have drawn the Zwarte Piet um, 
uh, as we know it today, is a 19th century Dutch school teacher. So the Zwartepiet actually isn't that all that ancient. Uh, then this is and this is true. This and this is what I hear you hear about Zwartepiet. This is what you hear about Krampus or the Belsnickel, like or, or or you know like this idea that this is pre-Christian and that's used to authorize it as authentic. Right. This seems to be really crucial. This it's is like, our indigenous European exactly, culture, right? Exactly. And, yeah. and how, because this has been some of the arguments that we've had, we've seen, it's like, how dare, don't, like, don't Europeans also have, like, indigenous rights? Right, right. <laughs> As if the formerly colonized Caribbean people are now trying to imperialize the Netherlands. Impose cultural oh, yeah. imperialism. By oh, yeah. Well, asking, it's like they're the tools of the stop EU or doing this. Yeah. yeah, please, please stop with this thing. Anyway, so um, I do have to say that, like, um, it is still controversial. And there are many minority Dutch people who are also very much a fan of Swatapit and very much buy into this this idea that of it being nostalgic, you know, I have some relatives who'll say, oh, you know, isn't it so sad? It used to be a more innocent time when we were kids, didn't you? There like you go something? again, right? Like, yeah. No, I remember. And it's like, these people are like, no, I remember you as a child. And you didn't like it when you mm -hmm. were a child. Right? And that's, But I think that's um, part of the point. I think people actually, when you sort of feel like you have some distance from that trauma or from like that unpleasant experience, you start to you nostalgize it, you romanticize it, and you're like, oh, like that yeah, left it because you can remember it because you can because because it was painful, you remember it, and so it actually provides you a connection back to your your experiences in that age. Otherwise, you know, we we tend to remember, unfortunately, a lot of the bad things better than the the, the good things in life, and that actually brings to life your childhood because of the the, ne the negativity actually gives you a more direct connection, and I think. That's, this is my, my speculative psychologizing here. Uh, but that to me, that's why when people go through something like a hazing ritual and it was miserable, as you say, and then they get older, it's about exercising that power. It's about seeing other people scared. But it's also like, it, I think it does give people a, a genuine feeling of connection to an earlier time in their lives. And I think that's part of how the nostalgia and the cruelty and the terror all go together in this, this tradition. Right, 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 right. The nostalgia and the cruelty. I think that's an interesting point. I've often thought of it as like there is this kind of um, there there is this kind of return of the repress, right? Yeah. Thing that happens with this because we're and 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 it, there is a kind of carnivalesque notion uh, with it. It's also partly adults really using kids and as, as an excuse to do things and say things and enact things that otherwise would be forbidden. Yeah. Corporal yeah. punishment <laughs> of their kids. Right. <laughs> just, just, just say something like that. Or, but well, also the race stuff, right? The Netherlands is supposedly a chitzland, as they often say, a, guide, a guiding country, a moral Shining city on the hill. Um, does does anyone else think that besides the Dutch? Though that's my question. Does anyone else think the Dutch that it is? Oh <laughs> yeah, I think, I think actually, you know, as a as a scholar who's worked a lot on the Netherlands, there's actually a lot of parallels and resonances between U.S. and Dutch for sure narratives yeah. of exceptionalism. But 
that's another conversation for another day. Anyways, um, we're a moral sh- city on a shining hill, etc. And uh, therefore, race is obviously a thing of the past, and we don't do that. You know, that's right. an American problem, as Dutch lo- the Dutch people love to talk about. Yes, but in America, it's worse, you know. Okay, so um, then this thing, this, this, this costume comes along. And this opportunity comes along to express all the things that you really feel deep down inside, but you don't get to the rest of the year. Because there's, you know, there's a socially sanctioned moment to express these kinds of resentments or uh, uh, dislikes or fears or phobias, right? So those white kids who were coming to me to tell me that their my skin was dirty, maybe they have like issues with hygiene or something, you know what I mean? So there's this moment or it's it's what they're afraid of or what they um are um but what and what they want to indulge in but but throughout the for throughout the year you repress right so part of the part of the thing that happens during center class is you eat a lot of sweets right again sinful but delicious right <laughs> and and during the time of center class you get to indulge in all these sweets and by the way of course dutch sweets are often spiced with the spices from the spice islands to really kind of underline the fact that indulgence and 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 lust and like excess is all coded through these commodities that were accumulated via colonial uh, ventures so nutmeg right the the the, the dutch version uh, of pepernote pepernoten um, which is what the zwarte piet will throw at children when they are good they give you sack bags of pepernoten the pepernoten are spiced with clove and nutmeg from the moluccas the spice islands where the dutch East India Company went to uh, kill and enslave all the natives so they could secure a monopoly on those spices, right? right? So that's the like, and that's then the ultimate expression of this like indulgence and 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 wealth. So there is it's a, a it's, a, it's a powerful statement. metaphor there, yeah. Like the, the fact yeah. that yeah, it's about innocence, childhood and innocence, nostalgia, indulgence, and all those things have to be channeled through symbols and direct material indices of colonial holdings and empire right yeah not, not, and, yeah. and you can't and, and the thing and the thing is in any other kind of context it's kind of embarrassing mm-hmm. to admit that you enjoy those things it's embarrassing it's 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 cringe right but this moment is like an, a, a, a sanctioned moment where you can indulge in these excessive feelings i saw this um, one quote i saw this one quote from uh one of the articles i looked at was about facebook reactions to the uh racismus or however you say that in dutch mm-hmm. in dutch would be zwarte piet is racisme racisme yeah so i didn't know how you yeah. how you all do the ease at the end of things but uh but yeah and i was looking at some of the 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 study of the facebook comments and someone posted oh if they take if they take zwarte piet away from us they're going to take, then we won't be able to have Christmas. Then we won't be able to drink in public. Then we won't, you know, this whole 
line of all the pleasures will be gone and, right and it's interesting yeah. how you would say you were saying how it all it like the language the sort of this bad attempt to parody a, a, like a, a caribbean accent goes together with this color imagery but then it also layers onto islamophobia and um, mm-hmm. the, the scholar who was doing this analysis was like, well, like by and large, the critique of Svartipede is not coming from Muslim communities in the Netherlands, but it, it doesn't matter, right? It all sort of, it's like, this is an assault on what it means to be Dutch. Uh, and so we build these alliances between the PC a, anti-racist thing and the, the, black the encroaching, the encroaching more in Islamic right? threat. Right. Well, here is the thing that will will help this all make sense. If you know something about the Sinterklaas, Swartepiet, uh, remember the, the Netherlands used to be part of the Spanish Empire. Right. This is important because the one of the kind of national founding moments is the moment when the, um, the Dutch, uh, during the Wars of Religion, the Dutch declare independence. So even in this way, the U.S. is kind of following a Dutch example, mm-hmm. declaring independence from from King of Spain. Mm-hmm. And um, fast forward today, Sinterklaas in the Dutch tradition comes from Spain mm-hmm. with his Zwarte Pieten and gifts. They're all coming from Spain, quote unquote Spain. I see. And the idea is that if you are bad and you are Suarte Pete, you, you are bad and, and the Suarte Pete catch you, sorry, they will take you to Spain and turn you into Suarte Pete there. So Spain is actually, I mean, the site of the Reconquista, the Moors, sure, et cetera, course, et cetera. Yeah. This is like dark, sinister place, but that's also where the deliciousness of of center class comes from <laughs> right and also right and i think what you're saying it does make sense and, and that's it, what ties them yeah. the moorish islamophobic stuff together right and the 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 scholar i was reading was saying like oh it's just the way in which otherness is being brought together but you're right i think that then it actually does even you know just whatever the intentions of the facebook poster are like that, there is a cultural logic to this that that brings those things. There together. is a text here. There is an intertextuality to it that makes those connections seem um, uh, common sense. Exactly. Right? Exactly. To a Dutch person, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know if Zwarte Piet was as controversial when you were living in the Netherlands. You were there as a university student, so I, I, I would think so. Because um, I was reading about protests in 2008 and then I think 2011. And I wonder, like, maybe we've already, maybe maybe we're, I'm being redundant, but like, what do you think, I don't know if I need to have this question. I was, what I was going to ask was like, like, what do you think Sparta Pete means for the Netherlands, like, as a national symbol? And like, does it does it still remain like this hot button issue for nationalist politics? Is it being is it is it still is there still a culture war going on with this? Is this old news? Because the the uh, protest that you put me onto with um, the uh, the uh, the poet Quincy Gario, like that was ten years ago. Mm-hmm. So like, what's do you have any sense of what's going on with this right now? I don't know. I mean. <clears throat> My sense is that every year there's a kind of um, wave of protest and discussion. And to be honest, at this point in my life, I I try to keep a distance from it because 
it's basically the same the same conversation again and again yeah. and again um analysis and it's gotten yeah yeah and it's it's gotten like more strident and and violent certainly yeah. as because every quincy gario and others uh who have spoken out publicly like there's long been this kind of indoor you know living room conversations happening about Swartapi being not okay but whenever people come out publicly to say this is not okay you know we should rethink this they get death threats they get get arrested harassment. they get arrested right um so and sometimes peaceful protests get violently broken up okay so so yeah it, it's it's gotten like more intense so in some ways swartapita has become one of the one of the things that they right whatever the others are trying to take from us right. so it's been kind of where the where things are going but more interestingly there's been a trend here where i do think that the protests have had the the effect of making a lot of people who weren't aware in the netherlands conscious of what was happening so you see larger groups of european dutch white dutch people joining in with these anti zwartepiet protests larger and larger groups and that's created some interesting discourse as well I remember um, a famous Dutch singer whose name I'm blanking on right now came out and, and spoke out against, I think it was Anouk, but I might be wrong, but I think it was Anouk, came out and, 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 and criticized Swartapit as well. And she's white. Um, and of course, it, they get as much hatred <laughs> from oh, the you're a race traitor. Supporters. You're a race traitor. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yes, yeah. you're a race traitor. Or the word we used to the the word used was n-word lover. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so this this idea then uh, it's not just also about the indulgence in the pleasures of colonial <laughs> plunder, <laughs> but but it's about like this kind of racial white racial solidarity now. Yeah. I mean that's been been the thing that that is creating a lot of anxiety because as like the the coalition of people who sees Swartapita as a problem grows more multiracial. Yeah. Swartapita is becoming more like a performance of like white racial unity and solidarity for the ones who are like really gung ho about it. And this, this kind of ties into something that I saw in some of the research I was looking at, where a lot of the people who are the Tsvartapit apologists, they direct their anger at what they see, what they claim to be a non-issue. Like, this is just mere culture war stuff. This is just mere, this is, this is, this is trivial. And yet, it's, we should be talking about class. We should, we should be talking about <laughs> fuel prices. And this just shows how yeah. unserious and ungracious our our guest, you know, this is the whole like white nationalist thing. Like these people mm -hmm. who, do, who aren't really us. Like they 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 don't show sufficient gratitude to us, and they want to they want to quibble 
Um, and the one researcher was like, oh, the, the way that these critiques are always expressed or, or represented is as whining or as uh, totally irrationally raving. And so any, any Whining, critique, by the way, right. there's a... Sorry, let me, yeah. let me tell you this before I forget. In Dutch, to be a whiner or a complainer is to be a zerpiet. Ah. So the word, a, a, a idiom for whining literally refers to Swartapit. I was going to say, yeah, that's something. <laughs> yeah, that's So hilarious. again, yeah. like, oh, you're being whiner. So like the idea is that you're you're actually kind of embodying some of those Swartapit-like qualities by complaining. So weird. So there's this, there's this very thick, thick script here at work. Um, um, but we, I yeah, think we the, see this the, in the United States too, where it's like, oh, people on the left with their culture, with their cultural politics, are fundamentally unserious. They're these are superficial, unserious, and also, and yeah. yet this is an ex, it's, it's, it's unserious, the, but it's an existential threat to America. Like, and you're, and, and mm-hmm. you know, pointing out logical inconsistencies is like no way to ever win an argument or do good politics but it's it is very striking um to me because the enemy has to be like strong and weak at the same time right that's what uh, um but but indeed uh yeah it's the complaint that um this is trivial this is stupid and then the next sentence they're trying to take away my childhood and everything exactly being dutch means so you know uh, which one is it but but I think to get back to the point of complaining and whining, etc., that ties into also the the infantil the infant infantilization. Yeah. Right? So because the Swartapit actually itself is a kind of childlike figure. Yeah. Right? And, that was something that and, I didn't, and, didn't and come often, across to me. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, a, a kind of childlike figure, not really a um, a child, child, but more like you know, the character of a of a a young rambunctious boy. So like that's kind of how you play Swartapit, mm. right? The the real in, uh, Rudyard Kipling has this poem, White Man's Burden, where he describes the f- darker races as half devil and half child. And there that's really that's what the Pete's yeah. yeah. is. The black boy that's like both the dangerous young buck and like, but at the same time, kind of playful and innocent. Too. And you see this obviously in the United States with uh, the slaveocracy's rhetoric of paternalism. So you would have paternalism on the mm-hmm. one hand, these people are just children, they need to be Christianized and educated, but their but their capacities are lower, right. so we need to have realistic expectations. All in and we need here. to like. But then at the same time, they're going to, to they're going to kill us in our beds. Like <laughs> you have, you have yeah, both. Yeah, exactly. Right? right. That, but that's the that's where I think you can you could say that 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 this kind of um, the enemy is both too weak and too strong. That tendency has a has a has a long history, and it's useful. Right? It's not it's not just a logical mistake. It's rhetorically and emotionally and psychologically useful. To, you know. To, yes. To, yes. To yes. Yes. I wanted to to to, to, to yeah, do that. Yeah. Exactly. I don't I don't want to I don't want to take up too much of your 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 valuable time today. I wanted to just observe. We teach at Vassar. We live and work in the Hudson Valley at least most of the time. There mm-hmm. is right now, and the Hudson Valley, like there was obviously a heavy Dutch presence. Um, in the early days of settler colonialism in North America. 
And mm. one of the things that's happened in towns like Rhinebeck and Kingston up here is the uh, revivification of the Sinterklaas uh, tradition. And, and so you have... I believe it moved because like Rhinebeck and Kingston are separated by the are on either side of the Hudson River. And I think Sinterklaas goes across the Rhinecliff Bridge or something, or I don't know if he takes, he does it like George Washington style across the Delaware. I don't know how Sinterklaas gets from point A to point B, but that's what, that's what happens. Um, and so if you go on the website and some of the local journalism around this, the Tsvartopi character has not been erased from the contemporary Hudson Valley version of this tradition. Um, and I don't know, I, he's been rebranded as Grumpus, which looks a lot like Krampus. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Grumpus is in any way authentic, in, insofar as authenticity is actually a meaningful category at all in these discussions. Um, yeah. But I, w- I was just wondering, like, when you, when you knowing about the way, I, I knew Cinderclaus was a thing in the Hudson Valley, and I have my own theories about why this old world, this old world thing is being played up in the new escape hatch for the... Uh, the urban elites who are fleeing New York City, but like, um, but I don't know. Like, what is your response to to hearing about the importation of this of this tradition to uh, to to Hudson Valley? Well, full disclosure, I I uh, <laughs> I've tried to stay as far away from it as possible. Yeah. Um, personally, but you know, if if, uh, if and I guess that already says a lot. Um, I, I honestly can't imagine myself wanting to do this with my kids. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not seeing that. So. Um, I know. And doing the research for preparing for this conversation, I mean, I haven't. You I mean we've been living through a pandemic, so large groups of people and gathering has not been like totally what I want my children to necessarily be exposed to. But right, yeah. like now I'm like so. You see some versions of the Grumpus Fartipi character. They've toned down the blackface, but it's telling to me that they yeah. have not just eliminated the character, or or like, th- it, like this is and this is what you there's see with something. Krom- yeah, there's something going on. Like this, you see this with, with Krampus in Germany in Bavaria, where you see old pictures of Krampus, and it's blackface isn't exactly what you would say, but the blackness is there. It's reminiscent. It, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's it's adjacent to blackface in certain ways, and that connects to mm-hmm. the way the devil. You see, think of the devil as red, but and you see nineteenth century European painting. The devil's off. The devil's often very black, or just explicitly a right. black person. And so I see that, and then you see the, the modern Krampus is like this kind of like fu- furry demon thing, and they're kind of going for that mm-hmm. in Rhinebeck with the Grumpus, aka Svartipede. Um, and so, yeah. on the one hand, they're trying to tone down the overtly racial <laughs> and racist. Yeah. But it's to, yeah. to, to, to sort of retain the character. It, it's I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to make sense of that. One of the ways that Dutch people have tried to solve this problem in different ways. One is by um, um, trying to reform Zwartepiet, right? Um, and I don't think you can reform Zwartepiet, but um, one of the one of the solutions was the regenboogpiet, so like making instead of blackface, just rainbow. different colors. So you have purple and blue, rainbow uh, colors, which you know even that as a compromise was deemed completely unacceptable and a loss to Dutch values. 
right? And that goes to the point. It's like, oh, it's not a big deal. Like, well, if it's not a big deal, it's like if it if, it, if Swartz you... can't be black, there's no point. Seems to be the the takeaway here, right? <laughs> right, and it's like if it's not a big deal, then change it or don't do it. It doesn't matter, right? Right, supposedly, and then we can move on to talk about oil prices and whatnot. But no, no, it has to be black. Anyway, so the other um, the other way is to actually to to have which was like to not instead of just using like the overtly minstrel like blackface makeup actually just use soot and cover your face with like a few things yeah. of soot a right. few like stripes of soot um, as a way to just kind of indicate the swartapit going down chimneys and by the way that's like a whole other thing this idea that the chi- the, the swartapit invades the home yeah. by going down chimneys and enters the hearth of the home. It's very much like a Freudian unheimliche moment of like, ooh, the repressed is able to yeah. enter in through the like back door literally and right. pop into like the the yeah. heart of the home. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so so uh to to kind of make make it more of a story about that, but I think what you have here is a, a web of associations that are so tightly uh, woven with uh, references to the colonial past and to and to ideas of a blackness and linking blackness with evil um, and with the devil that it's really hard to unravel them. And even if you try to reform the Zwartapit, you know, we don't live in the Humpty Dumpty world and the character isn't going to mean what we want it to mean now. It's going to bring with right. it all the, the the meanings it has accumulated over time. So I think the only way through this is to just kind of tell people what it's about. and But at the same time, like, not... I don't necessarily want to celebrate. It's not something I want to celebrate. Right. Something definitely I want to discuss or talk about or right. p- unpack, but not necessarily like yeah, not about it's not about feel- s- sanitizing or forcefully forgetting, but like no. make some real choices. Like what I see in this Hudson right. Valley stuff is like you see like oh, it's some people think it's blackface, but it's really about the chimney soot. It's like well, come on. Like you just yeah yeah but that's a that's a classic yeah. Dutch excuse too by the way I know and, but like, and yeah. yes and it's about the chimney soot and when you go through chimneys we all know your hair gets afro texture <laughs> right. and you grow big fat lips that's what happens when you go down a chimney right and you get certain of accents they, too yeah you start speaking yeah you you suddenly get a suddenly get a Surinamese accent huh <laughs> let me not forget to mention this so I went to Italy. And I went to Italy, uh, to Bari, to the place where St. Nicholas's bones were were buried. Or, I mean, the story of how the bones of St. Nicholas got to Bari, Italy, in the first place is another weird <laughs> and interesting story. Because yeah. apparently, like, during the Middle Ages, the people of Bari just, like, went to Turkey, which is where, yeah. where the OG St. Nicholas was from. Yeah. And just like robbed his grave. <laughs> What's up, clothes. guys? <laughs> I'll take that to and, go. And I, I remember and, and, and I remember talking to a local body person about this and he's like, Yeah, I mean those Muslims weren't gonna do anything with those bones anyways. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, the point is the reason why it's important to talk about in Zwartapit is that in, 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 in body in Italy, 
Saint Nicholas is black. Mm, yeah. Saint Nicholas is in the local dialect called San Nicola Nure, which means Black Saint Nicholas. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know how, as this 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 the cult of this saint traveled north and weirdly survived the Protestant Reformation. That's a whole another discussion. Like, how yeah. is it that this Catholic saint becomes a Fit, an, an orthodox too, saint become this like uh, national figure of a country that so tightly identifies with Calvinism that you know in the past when a Dutch a member of the Dutch royal family married a Catholic they'd have to be excluded from <laughs> their the 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 secession or being able to inherit the Dutch throne right it, it's it's that level of like investment in this kind of idea of like yeah. the protestant as like the kind of unmarked dutch person right well, a lot, a lot um, of that's also like self-mythologizing too right we're like well we're so pure we're yeah. so pure we're so evangelical it's like well that's that's the that's what you think it ought to be but how is it right yeah <laughs> like, yeah, yeah yeah sure sure exactly and that i think that's what to, but in any case when when sinterklaas travels north i guess from italy the center since Saint Nicholas becomes white and gets a black servant. At, yeah. at, it's very interesting how that happens. But in displacement, Italy, displacement, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, when you look at the icons of Saint Nicholas, he's depicted as a brown-skinned man, and they call him Black Saint Nicholas. I think I have so a solution. That was like a really I have a solution thing. for everyone because what I think what I think people get out of the Svartapede and the Krampus is this association between Santa Claus and something scary. Like this, like, oh, yeah. like that you want to have like the jolly guy, but you want to like you want to have the thrill of the, of the fear. My solution is this mm-hmm. based on your bone and the story, transgression, of the transgression, the transgression. Yeah. My yeah. theory is my solution is Santa Claus should stop being like a rotund jolly man. He should just be mm-hmm. a skeleton. I think that would really just <laughs> the, the bones of Barry. <laughs> he should just be yeah, like yeah, yeah, the yeah, grim yeah. reaper with a, with a scythe. <laughs> I, I think that would, that would I, do I it. I come bearing that would do gifts. Yeah. The gifts. <laughs> the gift of, of death. Wisdom yeah. that come from confronting death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a good one. That's exactly. So So that that way that that would bring us into the into La Llorona or La Sayona territory, which is the famous uh, um figure from uh, latin american folklore which i also grew up with by the way like mm-hmm. my cousin my poor cousin was terrified whenever a goat was bleeding out in the countryside oh we would say oh that's la llorona coming for you <laughs> actually it might be an idea for another um episode another edition guest yeah to talk about la llorona which is also kind of a demonic figure yeah, yeah. I wanted to finish up too with the uh, with one last thing with about Sinterklaas in Rhinebeck and Kingston. I think so much of it is also making the upstate like another angle for folksy authenticity. It's another way of right. saying like, oh, this this is a place with traditions. Look at the old architecture in Kingston. Sleepy Hollow. Sleepy whatever. Hollow. Rip Van Winkle. Right. Like I we. Don't know. It's a way, and it's a way of being like, again, like you said about it being indigeneity in Europe. Well, it's like, oh, we have, we're we're white people, but we come from someplace, and those traditions, traditions still matter, too. and and mm-hmm. and those traditions still matter, and they're enchanting. And as we escape the big city in, in, in authenticity, 
We come to the country and here the people are do- for to for a all of, of for all of thirty years people have been you know been doing this timeless tradition, right? It's like so it's like so recent, mm-hmm. but it's all about producing this this uh, nostalgic fairy tale Europeanness that of course is mm. like supposed to cover for the the violence and 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 the whole the whole experience of colonialism and i, I for me i think like that's mm. the way like it's it's a way of still trying to use that colonial past as a way of tapping into like oh we're, we we really are people like this is a real place right yeah. <laughs> um, i mean and but but at, at the end of the day don't get me wrong i think people i i'm i'm in that way pretty liberal in the sense of i think if people want to have their um colonial plantation settler fantasy and live it out they can have at it you know i'm just not gonna bring my kids to that but um but there is really i think you're pointing to to the to this idea of like finding the rural as a place of innocence yeah and and I think one of the questions we do need to be asking ourselves with all of this is like, what's the deal with that? Like, why do we want to be innocent? Like, why mm-hmm. can't we just have ourselves not be innocent and like be okay with it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know, I know. And I think that's that, and that's, and to really blow this open, like, that's the whole CRT hyster- moral panic, right? It's like, oh, you mean mm. what? Like, you can't face the possibility that that innocence isn't available or, or fitting with like the history of, of these settler colonies. Right. And yeah. And it's, and it's very, it's the kind of Manichaean, I'm, I'm sorry to use that term. No disrespect to the Manichaean yeah, no, no way of yeah. thinking, <laughs> way of thinking, dualistic way of thinking. Like you could either be the devil or you can be the saint. And, 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 right. and maybe that's not a useful approach. Well, it might be useful. It's just useful for very bad things. I think that's it's the problem. Right, exactly. <laughs> useful for, I don't know, useful for fascist political projects. Right. Sure. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> right. Well, hey, I yeah. really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. This really, this really just puts me in the Christmas spirit hearing about these. Mm-hmm, doesn't the, it? Yeah, just, yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I really am grateful for bringing your expertise and, and hopefully not re-traumatizing you too much uh, talking through the, the, the legend of uh, most of the laughter that you've heard throughout the me throughout this po- uh, uh, podcast was just me coping with it okay so, yeah yeah so yeah. just in case some of you might some people might be hearing this and thinking like why is this guy laughing about his pain all the time and it's like uh, to which i'll respond why not laugh you know yeah. you might as well yeah i feel like that's like the the keith ledger heath ledger joker why so serious? Like you know, this. Sort of, now, now I see the funny side, <laughs> kind of thing. Uh-huh. When you when you're looking at things that are so horrible, like that's that's the that's when you get Joker pilled and and you, you start to pretty much yeah yeah. Well, hey, thanks so much, and um, we'll we'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right. Thank you for having me. Bye. This pod is made possible by support from the Satanic Horde, Asmodeus, Mammon, Leviathan, Beelzebub, and listeners like you. Thank you.